Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Today, I want to teach on personal management. So, what is personal management? Personal management is organizing your life routines around balanced priorities. Balanced priorities. And disciplining yourself to execute them. Organizing your life. To be successful, you need to know what it means to organize your life. Everybody say organize. You need to know how to organize your life. Very important. Because if your life is disorganized, the predictable result is failure. Nothing thrives on chaos. Nothing works well in chaos. Amen? When your life is organized, then there is order. Then there will be progress. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 said something I want us all to read. Somebody say, Holy Spirit, give me understanding right now in Jesus' name. I believe that if you get this topic, um, everything else about success can work well for you. Because this is where everything else we, are, we have learned and we are going to learn about success. This is where we put it into practice. The day-to-day um, execution of all that you will ever know about success. This is where it happens. And when you don't get this one, you will know so much about success, but you won't see it in your life because you don't know how to put these things to practice in your life. Amen. Paul said something in First Corinthians. What did he say? He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not well helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Amen. Now, Paul is trying to say that I have freedom to do everything I like. Is this so in your case? Yeah. As I'm talking now, you can decide to sleep. Who will beat you? Nobody. You can decide to be chatting WhatsApp as I'm talking right now. You can decide to frown, like sometimes some of you do. You can decide to go and sit in your car and listen to some hip life music, such as you like. You can even decide to sit, jump into your car and drive home. Hello? Like some of you do sometimes. Now, Paul is saying, every day you wake up, you are confronted with so much that you have freedom to do. Hello? Every day you wake up, you are free to do so much. Let's talk about some of them. You are free to watch TV. You are free to visit a friend or go to work or not go to work. You are free to eat. You are free to chat on WhatsApp. Everything. But Paul said, not all that I am free to do is helpful. So Paul is trying to say that so many activities compete for your attention. But to be successful, you have to be able to identify which 
activities are helpful to you now and which ones are not helpful. You have to be able to identify what must I do today that moves me forward, moves me closer to my, the fulfillment of my vision. What must I avoid doing now because it's not going to move me towards the fulfillment of my dreams and goals. Alright, so Paul said, we are free to do everything, but we are not supposed to do everything. Amen. That is an important foundation for personal management. So, in personal management, we are trying to look at how to organize your life in such a way that you don't just get up doing anything because it's urgent. You do things because they are important. And sometimes, a lot of things can come to you as an emergency, but it's not important. Amen. For instance, when you say something is an emergency, it means it has to be attended to now. It can't wait. For instance, a phone call cannot wait till you close from church. So if you, if you get a call now, you have a two choices. Either you want to pick it now and miss what I'm teaching, or you want to let it go. So a phone call is an emergency because it cannot wait. Hello? But sometimes that call may not be important depending on what you are doing per time. Unless you are a professional telephonist who is under obligation to pick every call, no matter the time it comes. You are, you are working at a call center. Other than that, you should know when a call is important and when it is urgent. Amen. Now, Jesus also made an important statement in John chapter 9. He said, let's read from verse 2 and then we will understand it. Verse 2, John chapter 9, 2 to 4. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, which means teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, what is happening here? They met a man who was born blind. And the disciples asked a question. Master, teacher, who sinned caused this man to be blind? In other words, they, they brought out a question to open up a platform for dialogue or arguments or discussions because um, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind verse 3 jesus answered neither this man nor his parents sinned but that the works of god should be manifested in him verse 4 he went on to say i must work the works of him who sent me while it is day the night is coming when no one can work. Amen. Now Jesus is trying to say, the question you ask is not important. Why? Because I don't have all the time in the world to talk about everything. There are things I don't, I don't have time to talk about because I don't have all the time in the world. Jesus said, a day is coming. I come to do the things I have to do now. And let me suggest to all of us today that we too, our life is like that. Once upon a time, all of us were babies. Now we are not babies. We used to be youths. Now, majority are no more youths. There are few youths that are still here. One day, you and I, we're going to be old men and old women. And one day, we're going to be dead and gone. We don't have all the time in the world. So, if God has given you a vision... God has given you a mission. God has given you a purpose. 
when you discover God's purpose for life, you need to know that you have a limited time to execute that assignment in your lifetime to become successful. There are opportunities God is bringing your way now that you do certain things about it. There are opportunities God is bringing tomorrow that require your input to maximize that opportunity. But the only way you can make the best of your life is to understand, first of all, that you don't have all the time in the world. So you can't just play around. Someone said, life is not a holiday. Praise God. You know, when children are on holiday, it's freedom. They wake up when they like, eat when they like, do what they like. When holiday is over, they wake up at specific times, and they eat at specific times, and they play only at specific times. Because their life is regulated by something called a timetable. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, we don't have all the time in the world. But you have time. Only that you don't have it forever. You have time. Amen. What you do with the time is what determines your success or failure. What you do with the time. What you do with your time. So in personal management, we are trying to look at what is priority. What is priority? Priority means this thing, when you do it, it makes you better, it makes you more successful, it brings you closer into fulfillment of your dreams and goals in life. You can have a big dream and be doing the wrong things. Those dreams will just remain on paper. They will never happen. Amen. Take, for example, somebody who wants to build a very great house. And he went to an architect, designed a fantastic building design for him. And he has all the money to build. He's got everything ready. And um, he decided to use the, the land that they're going to build on for entertainment. And then after entertainment, he decides to use the land for funeral. Hallelujah. And after the funeral, he used the land for another activity. And after that, another, after that, another, after that, another. He brings people to sing on the land. Praise God. Will anything get done? No. If that man wants to build, there are specific things he needs to do. The money in the account is not enough. I bring the right people on, on the site, and the right people must do the right things. Hello? And that is your life. That is your life. So, now, in personal management, we emphasize on organizing our lives around priority. Now, to organize your life around priority, you have to understand the place of planning and how to relate planning to your time. How to relate your personal plans with time. Amen. How to relate your personal plans with time. Um, the challenge is some people are good planners, but they don't know how to relate planning with time. Some people also are good in managing time, but they don't have any plan. <laughs> but you must know how to um, plan and how to relate uh, that plan to time. Why? Because 
you need to allocate time for your priority activities. You need to know how to allocate time for your priority tasks. If you don't know how to allocate your priority tasks to adequate time, if you don't know how to do that, what happens is that you are always busy, but you are not effective. Every time they see you, you are sweating and going up and down and doing this and doing that, but you are just going around in circles. You know, it's not enough to move. Talk to me. It's not enough to move. Movement is in different dimensions. How many of you know that? You can be moving, but the movement is backwards. You are moving, but are you making progress? No. You can be moving, but your movement is in circles, going around in circles. You only realize you come back to the same place. Hello? So it's not enough to be busy. <laughs> you have to know how to be effective. To be effective, you must know how to allocate adequate time for your priority tasks. And priority is what Paul said, that which is helpful, that which moves me closer to my dreams and goals. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's look at what is planning. When we say planning, what do we mean? Planning simply means arranging your activities, detailed activities in an orderly way. So, when we talk about planning, we are talking about the ability to outline all detailed activities and put them in an orderly way. That means in order of priority. For instance, if I want to come to church now, when I wake up from bed, there are a series of things that I did before I got here. But I, it is not enough to do the things I did. I had to do them in a specific order. I had to um, brush my teeth and then bath, dress up, sit in the car before I came here. Supposing as soon as I woke up, I wore this dress I'm wearing now and then I went to the bathroom. Will this preaching be nice the way it is now? Hallelujah. <laughs> are you sure you'll be attentive the way you are now? Hallelujah. You'll be wondering what is happening here. <laughs> so, it's not enough to say, I have done something. But in planning, we are looking at the order and the sequence of the activities. How you arrange your life routines. You organize your daily routine. Hello? Planning is very important to life. It simplifies your daily activities. Makes things very simple. You know what to do, and after that, what next to do, after that, what next to do, after that, what next to do. It, it brings predictability. It, it defines your priority. The priority now is preaching. That's what I'm teaching. Planning helps us to know what is priority now. So that if somebody says, Pastor, stop a little, let's dance and praise God. You realize that there is a little problem. It doesn't mean praise and worship is bad, but it is not a priority now. Are you with me? It creates order. What the devil has succeeded in doing to people is that the devil has succeeded in helping people to do very good things, which is not a priority. Let me do this illustration again. Praise and worship is not bad, but there is a time for it on our Sunday service program. So praise and worship is not bad. But what is the priority right now as I'm talking? It's teaching, preaching the word of God. Amen. 
So when you get up and you want to dance praise and worship, you are doing a good thing. But that is not a priority right now. And so it can bring chaos. You can end up disrupting the teaching. You distract others from listening to me because you have decided to sing praise and worship. Let me say it better. Even if you get up right now and you start praying tongues loudly, are you doing a bad thing? No, prayer is not a bad thing. Prayer is not evil. Because the devil knows that there are bad things you will never do. So he doesn't push you to do bad things. He, he pushes you to do good things. But those good things is not your priority. <laughs> Hallelujah. So write, write an important statement down if you are making notes. There's a difference between a good thing and the right thing. There's a difference between a good thing. And if you can read and write, it's good to make notes on a day like this. Amen. There's a difference between what? The good thing and the right thing. Write another statement. Good things don't make you successful. Doing good things do not make you successful. Doing the right thing is what makes you successful. Amen. Doing what? The right thing. So if you want to pray, you love prayer, there's a time allotted for prayer during the Sunday service, which you must come and pray. You love praise and worship, there's a time allotted and for praise and worship. Hello? There's a time allotted for song ministration. There's a time allotted for teaching. Right now, the right thing that we should be doing is what I'm doing. Amen. And I'm using church service as an analogy, but our life is also like that. Our life is like that. If our life is not well planned, sometimes you do a lot of good things, but it's not the right thing. Amen. Jesus thought about planning in Luke chapter 14. He said, which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first? Somebody says, sit down. Yeah, planning is where you sit down. And let me say that being effective is not every day getting up and running around. We'll come to talk about that more. Amen. Hmm. Success has a place for sitting down to think. I said a lot about a little about that last Sunday. Thinking, planning. He said, there's no sit down first. And count the cost. Whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see begin to mock him. So lack of planning can bring mockery. And let me say today, God doesn't want your life to be a mockery. Say, I hear you. God wants your life to be a testimony. Say amen to that one. God wants your life to be glorious. God wants your life to be a reference, an example that people can see and learn from. But if you don't know how to do what? Sit down. Somebody say sit down. If you don't know how to sit down and plan your life, and Jesus teaching here about planning, make us understand Principles of planning. Somebody say principles of planning. 
you don't number one principle, you don't plan about nothing. <laughs> I think you should write that down. That's a good note. You don't you don't plan about nothing. Number two, you don't plan without thinking. <laughs> number three, good planning always depends on adequate facts. Amen. So Jesus said, which of you intending to build a tower? So before you start planning, there must first be a goal you want to achieve first. A goal. This person's goal is to build a tower. That is his purpose. That is his goal. But Jesus said, the goal is not enough. The person must sit down and count the cost. That means he must do detailed inventory and detailed budgeting. Count the cost. Doesn't it involve budgeting? I think it does because money is talking here. It's a count the cost. You take stock. There has to be stock taking. What will go into this particular project? Jesus said, after that, the person must now conclude whether he has what it takes to finish before he should start. Hello? Jesus is saying, with good planning, everything you start, you will finish it well. That's what Jesus said. Amen. So the fourth principle of planning is, good planning always brings the right results. So if you are getting the wrong results, probably you should check your planning. Good planning always brings the right results. So, planning becomes relevant only to people who, has, who have a vision in life and a mission. Hello? We'll come to that. Now, in personal management, you, you marry two important things. Do you remember that? You relate planning with what? Time allocation. Amen. With time allocation. So, personal management takes into account the most precious but limited commodity in life is what? Time. The most precious. There is one good place that God gave all human beings equal opportunity. And that is the place of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. The rich and the poor have 24 hours in a day. So, in Ephesians 5, verse 14 to 17, Paul the Apostle says something. He said, therefore, he says, awake, you who is asleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you what? Light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, I'm not the one saying it, but as what? Wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Let's read verse 16 again. He said, see to it. Thank you very much. See to it. Verse 15. See to it that you walk how? Circumspectly. In other words, live your life with circumspection. That means with a lot of prudence. Now, when we talk about prudence, we are always referring to decisions. Every step you take should be cautiously thought through. That is the meaning of circumspection. Paul is saying, God is on our side, but we don't live anyhow and become successful. God is on our side, but we don't live just anyhow. We must live circumspectly. It also means living with intelligence. Thinking about everything before you do it. Not do it before you think. In fact, that is the definition of a fool. A fool does things before he thinks. The wise 
thinks before he does anything. I believe you are a wise person. Say amen to that. He said, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So, how does Paul want us to be wise? Verse 16, he said, redeeming the time. What does it mean, redeem the time? Make the best. Give me NLT. Make the best use of the time. Recover time. Okay? Make the most of every opportunity in this evil day. You see that NLT did not even use the word time at all because time and opportunity, they are the same thing. Amplified Bible. I like amplified. It doesn't escape anywhere. It gives you detailed breakdown. There is no way you can miss the understanding. He said, making the very most of the time, buying up cheap opportunity. I like that. Buying cheap opportunity. So opportunity to prosper, the Bible said, is cheap. Only the fool lose it. Because there is no circumspection. There is no clear thinking before they act. They wake up. There's no plan. Eat. Move around. Sleep. Wake up in the morning. Move around. Go to bed in the evening. And sleep. Life is more than that. Life is more than that. In the book of Psalm 90, talk about how we should be careful and we should be wise with time. Psalm 90 verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years. I refuse that. I will live longer than that. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. Okay. So there is more allowance for those who want to go to 80. I think I want to go to 90. You won't say amen for me? Alright. Yet, their boast is only labor and sorrow. My own will not be labor and sorrow. In Jesus' name. Now, for it is soon cut off. That one, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. A day is coming, my brother, my sister. We need to go to a better place. Heaven. But I tell you, when we get to heaven, we are going to give account of our lives. And the account we are going to give is related to his, the purpose he gave you before you were born. That is why I have taught you that they will ask you. Were you in church 2016? Uh, when did I teach on how to discover God's purpose for your life? It was in February. They will quote the date for you. They will show you where you were sitting. And how you didn't buy the CD after church, but you bought meat pie. <laughs> you went to buy meat pie and malt. You didn't buy the CD. You don't have an excuse. Because I have taught you how to discover God's purpose for your life. By the end of this year, every member of this church, you should know this is God's purpose for me. You should know that. You should know his purpose for your life. And not live your life anyhow. Because your life is not something anyhow. It is perfectly designed by God for a specific reason. You may not look it now, but he has a great plan for your life. You need to find it. But a day is coming, we will all be gone. That is what the scripture is saying. It said, we fly away. I believe that I'll finish my work before I die. And the day I die, nobody will cry. People will be happy. They will say, this man. In fact, you try to cry, tears won't come. You know why there's a lot of sorrow when you go to funerals? It's because of unfulfilled purpose. I'm telling you. 
unfulfilled purpose breeds sorrow in a funeral environment. Because we are looking at unconsciously and unknowing to us, we are looking at somebody who could have touched the world but could not even touch his own life and is lying there. That's why we cry. If you go to a funeral where somebody has fully lived his life, fully, there is joy. There is excitement. That, that is what I want. I want people to be able to say the difference I've made in their lives. Psalm 90 verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years. I refuse that. I will live longer than that. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. Okay. So there is more allowance for those who want to go to 80. I think I want to go to 90. You won't say amen for me? Alright. Yet, their boast is only labor and sorrow. My own will not be labor and sorrow. In Jesus' name. Now, for it is soon cut off. That one, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> A day is coming, my brother, my sister. We need to go to a better place. Heaven. But I tell you, when we get to heaven, we are going to give account of our lives. And the account we are going to give is related to his, the purpose he gave you before you were born. That is why I taught you that they will ask you. Were you in church 2016? Um, when did I teach on how to discover God's purpose for your life? It was in February. They will quote the date for you. They will show you where you were sitting. And how you didn't buy the CD after church, but you bought meat pie. <laughs> you went to buy meat pie and malt. You didn't buy the CD. You don't have an excuse because I have taught you how to discover God's purpose for your life. By the end of this year, every member of this church, you should know this is God's purpose for me. You should know that. You should know his purpose for your life. And not live your life anyhow because your life is not something anyhow. It is perfectly designed by God for a specific reason. You may not look it now, but he has a great plan for your life. You need to find it. But a day is coming, we will all be gone. That is what the scripture is saying. It says, we fly away. I believe that I will finish my work before I die. And the day I die, nobody will cry. People will be happy. They will say, this man. In fact, you will try to cry, tears won't come. You know why there's a lot of sorrow when you go to funerals? It's because of unfulfilled purpose. I'm telling you. Unfulfilled purpose breeds sorrow in a funeral environment. Because we are looking at unconsciously and unknowing to us. We are looking at somebody who could have touched the world but could not even touch his own life. And is lying there. That's why we cry. If you go to a funeral where somebody has fully lived his life, fully, there is joy. There is excitement. That, that is what I want. I want people to be able to say the difference I've made in their lives. I want the whole world to hear that I'm gone because I would have touched the world. But before that happens, this is what we are studying. How to make that happen. Turn to them and tell him how to make that happen. Because talk is cheap. All that I'm saying is just talk. Without action, it will be nothing. Amen. Verse 11. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. Does this one make sense? No. 12 will make sense. 
It's talking about purpose and accountability. If you didn't fulfill your purpose, you're going to meet Jesus. He'll be angry with you. I tell you, there are people who get to heaven and cry. Because they will show you what you should have done, which you never did. They will show you what you should have achieved, and you never even started it. They will show you the many lives that suffered because you were irresponsible. You were selfish and thinking only about yourself. So that is verse 11, verse 12. It says, So teach us to number our days so that we may what? Gain a heart of wisdom. There's that connect to Apostle Paul in first. He said, redeeming the time. Do not be fooled by our wise. Redeeming the time. Paul said, teach us to number. You see, anytime you begin to think about the fact that you don't have all the time in the world, you become a wise person. Every time you start thinking that, hey, how old am I now? <laughs> Subtract that from 90. You realize that I just have 40 years of active service for God. Question is, how much do I still have to achieve for God? A lot. A lot. I haven't done anything. I've not written my first book. How many countries have I preached in so far? Two. And God told me to preach the gospel around the world. I have not built a church that has reached a thousand. I have not raised up to a hundred pastors yet. And God told me to raise ten thousand pastors. I haven't paid the school fees of people more than 50. And God told me to sponsor scholarships for at least 10,000 needy children. There's still work to do. Man, there's work to do. That will make you wise, straight. You won't have time for foolish things. (laughs) You won't have time to chase girls. (laughs) Hello? No. If you think like that, you won't have time you have time to be sleeping overdose. Teach us to number our day. That's what I just did to you. Look at your life. Some of you are 30 years. You have 60 years more. Whether you like it or not. 60 years time. 60 years time. Some of you are 40. You have 50 years more. I can say I refuse it. But 50 years more. You will be, you will be gone. And what will you have done by then? What will you have done? What will you have done? What have you done now? What have you done? Hallelujah. Teach us to number this. Then we will apply our heart to wisdom. How do we apply our heart to wisdom? Redeeming the time. Allocating adequate time to priority tasks. What is priority? That which draws you closer to your dreams and goals. That which makes you more fulfilled towards your dreams and goals. Priority is not that which makes you get a lot of money. Priority is not money. You know why many people have missed their destiny because of money? Teach us to number our days. Today, go back home thinking about your life. Let me provoke you another way. Let's take our mind to your funeral. Say, I refuse in Jesus' name. But let's still take your mind to your funeral right now. (laughs) Now, assume you are lying there on the beautiful casket. Now, think about it. When your wife comes to give a tribute, what is she going to say? I'm not talking about tributes that they write for us to come and read. I'm talking about if your wife had to tell the truth about you, what would she say? Or your husband for that matter, because it's not only the men. 
Okay, after your wife, your children come. What would they say about you? Is your mind still at the funeral? Now, your children have finished. Your friends, they come. What would they, what would they say? What would your relatives say? What would your co-workers say? And what will society say at the funeral? Or the women, they will say, who did you say died? Mr. Hot. Yeah, I've never heard that name before. That means you were irrelevant. Irrelevant to the extent that even your hometown, nobody knows you. Some of you, even your hometown cry is too big. Your own family, they don't know anybody exists by your name. But it's not too late. I'm not talking about now. I'm saying that by the time you are dying, your family should feel you that you are there. Not by the troubles you cause the family. But by the blessings. Amen. I said by the blessings. Yeah. Your family, your hometown must, must thank God for that brother. That brother, how happy are we that he come from our hometown? They must say that about you. Your friends, your friends should be able to say that about you. Amen. And your children, oh, your children, what would they say about you? That is what defines your priority. If you can get a picture of what to end up in life, you can define priority. Let's look at five important things about time. And now, one, time is, is, is limited. It's inelastic. It's 24 hours and it's 24 hours. You cannot expand it. There is no way you can use any supernatural force to get 25 hours in a day. The issue is not adjusting the time. The issue is adjusting your life. Because what time is fixed. It is fixed. Amen. Number two, time does not repeat itself. Today is April 17th, 2016. It will never repeat itself again. There will be another April 17th, but it will not be 2016. April 2016 is only once in your lifetime. If there's something you need to do today, and you didn't do it, it's gone. That's why priority is a serious thing. It's gone. For most of us, a lot of time is already gone. But it's not too late. Amen? It's not too late to redeem the time. The rest of the time you have is enough for you to make wise choices and fulfill your dreams. Amen? Number three, time cannot be saved. Oh, I wish it could be saved. So today, I don't feel like doing anything. So let me save the time so that when I feel like doing something, then I'll come and release it. No. You can't save time. It's moving. As I'm talking, the clock is moving. Even if you refuse to move, time is moving. <laughs> Three seconds is just gone. Four seconds is gone. Five seconds. Six seconds. It's moving. Time does not wait for anybody. So, I want to talk about time management transitions. Let me take you to a little bit of history. When you read a lot about personal management, especially in leadership, you will come across something very important about time management. Because people began to see that priority needs to be given to time, and time is moving, and time is not waiting, and time cannot be saved, and time is fixed, people began to think about how can we manage time wisely. So most management experts came about what we call time management. All right? But the issue of time management has gone through a lot of transitions in the past um, five decades. What 
management experts have discovered now is that what makes you effective is not the management of time. What makes you effective is the management of yourself. And that is what I want to explain to you now. The initial time management principle says have a notebook, write down a list of activities that you are going to do uh, in the day, okay? And then you follow it, which some of you are still doing. I'm about to move you away from that because it won't help you much. Unless you know how to manage yourself, you can't manage your time effectively. Are you with me? Then people moved away from notes and checklists and came to calendars and appointment books. So you have your appointment book, you note the various appointments, notes, um, have a calendar of activities, and then have a schedule of events. Um, that was also good to an extent, but people began to see limitations in that system of time management. And the management experts moved to another one where we have the combined efforts two. You have your notes and checklists. You have a calendar, appointment book, a schedule of events, setting goals, daily planning. But all these things brought a problem. The problem it brought is that people became very active, people became very busy, but people could still not allocate appropriate time to life's priorities. Why? Because what to do in the day was so much. If all of you will be very sincere, one major complaint we always make about certain things we know we need to do is that we don't have time. How many agree with me? Some of you, as I'm talking now, probably your parents have complained they haven't seen you for a long time, but what's the excuse? Very busy. You promised a close friend of, of yours who had an issue, you owed him a visit. You promised him a visit. It's one year now. You couldn't make it. What was the excuse? Time. Every one of us know that it's good to have a quiet time every morning before you move out to work. Uh, we are not able to do it on daily basis. We are not able to read our Bible on daily basis. What was the excuse? We don't have time. Most of you, your children are complaining. They scarcely see you. Before they wake up, you are gone. By the time you are returned, they are asleep. Even weekends that you should spend a little time with them, you are out. And when the children complain, what do you tell them? There's no time. Your spouse is complaining. Your children are complaining. God is complaining. <laughs> your parents are complaining. Some of you, you can't remember the last time you had a personal retreat for just a day. Lock yourself up alone with God. It's not like you don't want to do it. But, oh God, time, time, time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Some of you, you bought fantastic books. They're on your shelf now. Why are reading it? Oh, pastor, I want to read. Oh, I want to read. There's no time. So, over the years, in the past decade, management experts have realized that time management is not really helping people. It makes people busy. But very, very important priorities are still being neglected because you, have, you still have so much to do. So then came the concept of personal management. That is why I'm not talking today about time management. I'm talking about personal management because I'm of the opinion that that is biblical. Time management restricts you. It restricts you to what is written down in your checklist. It keeps you busy to one, to specific activities, whether they are urgent or important. So in time management, 
find yourself committing to too much urgent issues than important ones. And I've explained what is urgency and importance. Personal management. Why is personal management more important than time management? The first one is that it empowers you to see your time in the context of what is really important instead of what is urgent. What is an urgent activity? An urgent activity is something that cannot wait. It must be attended to now. Whether it's important or not, you need to attend to it now. It is something that you need to do now. For instance, a football match. Can you wait? No. If you have to watch it, you just have to watch it now. And you know, people sacrifice very important things to watch a football match because it is what? An emergency. It's, it has to be attended to right now. But a lot of wisdom will, tell, will, ask you, will make you ask questions like, what do I lose if I didn't watch this match? I'm not saying watching football is bad. But if there is an important priority competing for that, then you need to make a wise decision. Are you with me? Yes. Phone calls. You can't wait. Some funerals can't wait. That's the date. You just have to ask yourself whether it's important or it's urgent. So, in personal management, we try to not just list activities and try to knock our heads meeting all of them, but we just try to differentiate between what is a priority. I want to, on this note, take you through activities that you must consider your priority. Hello? Alright, this is where my big question comes. One day I was studying and I was studying on priority and I asked the Lord to give me more understanding. And the Lord asked me a simple question which I asked last Sunday. He said, if the doctor told you you have three months to die and no prayer can change that verdict, what will you do with your time? If you are able to list the things you will do with your time, that is your priority. Now, question, what will you do with your time? If you have only three months to die, now, take it, that's the verdict. I'm sure you have more time for God, isn't it? <laughs> you will try to check your life whether you are ready to go. Make sure that all the things, you, your misbehaviors, you straighten things up, makes your life upright, develop a good relationship with God, because in any case, three months time, you are going to be with him. <laughs> you spend more time with God. You will lose value for some of the things that you consider a priority. You will lose value for dress. Dress will be nothing to you. Money will be nothing to you. Work will be nothing to you. God will become the number one priority then. From God, you may probably will be thinking about your spouse. Hey, three months, I'm going to leave this, my husband. I'm going to leave my wife in three months. We want to spend as much time with her as possible. Then your children, isn't it? I'm of the view that the number one priority of mankind is relationship. Relationship. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your, your friends. And you need to actually find out what's the definition of friend. Because not everybody is friend. Friend is not a cheap word. Like we have made it. Everybody is your friend. Everybody you meet today is your friend. You made the word friend so cheap at relationship. Number two priority is what? Health. How many of you know exercise will make you healthy? How many of you know in this church? Now I'm, I'm watching. Hello? Because we thought about that a lot. We've thought about that. How many exercise every week? Let's see. Why you don't exercise? Lack of time, isn't it? 
But do, you, do you know it's not lack of time? It's lack of priority. You don't know what is your priority. Health. My brother, all you are working and laboring to gather, if you die now, you don't have it. You need to be alive to enjoy the car, to enjoy the house, to enjoy that money you are saving seriously in your bank account. You need to be alive to enjoy. You need to be alive to keep working at your workplace. You need to be alive to wear the good dress you are toiling to get and buy. The house you are toiling to build, moving up and down. You need to be alive to so, health is important. And listen to me. If you neglect your health, you will not live long. There's no prayer that can make you live long with negligence. So, when we're talking about priority, we are looking at relationship, we are looking at health, then we are looking at planning, ability to spend a lot of time sit down and thinking. That is why I like quiet time. Because listen to me, quiet time gives you opportunity to be alone. You talk through things with God alone. You think through issues. He said, come and let us reason together. Isaiah 1.19. Come and let us reason together. In quiet time, you think through your life. You meditate on your life. That is when God gives you creative ideas. That's when God gives you direction. Don't do this one. Don't take this step. Take this step. Open this. Do this. Do that. He'll give you direction. He'll give you ideas. He'll give you... There's so much you stand to gain in planning. You know, you can sit down the whole day and somebody will think you, you didn't do any work. All you did was thinking and tell you what, that's a lot of work. You probably have done more than those who run around the whole day. Production systems, preventing crisis, new opportunities, all these things are a product of planning and thinking. Whether you'll be effective in your production system, when I say production system, we are looking at your work outputs. I mean, we are not saying work is not important. Hello? But you must know where it plays. If you are not healthy, you can't work well. Your relationships are not doing well. It will mess your work up. How many of you know that? Yeah. Your wife can mess your day before you get to the office. Just tell you one thing. One word. Just tell you one word. And you are gone with a mess. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you can go to work happy because your relationship with your spouse is fantastic. Your relationship with your children is wonderful. It makes you more fulfilled and more effective even at your work. Work is no excuse to neglect God or your family or your children or your health. But work is the reason why you should rather give attention to your health, God, and to your family and to other relationships. Your work. So, production systems. You know, how to work more effectively. How to work smart. And not just work hard. Ecclesiastes 10.10, 10, he said, if the axe is dull, you need to sharpen it. Otherwise, you are going to work, you are going to toil more to cut down one tree. Let me conclude by saying this. Personal management focuses on results and relationships. Personal management focuses on what? Results. It doesn't focus on activity. Time management systems focus on activity. Personal management focuses on results. That means, <laughs> I don't know whether it's the right time to say this or not. How long you work per day is not the issue. How much you achieve per day is the issue. Amen.
Because under the old system, we are always concerned about working hours. In fact, there's a logbook at workplaces. You enter 8 a.m., you exit 5 p.m. They use that to pay people. Even if they did nothing the whole day, they pay them. Because they logged in 8 a.m., logged out 5 p.m. Today, every contemporary, uh, current, up-to-date management system pays people not by how long you work, but the results you produce. Laziness is not refusing to do anything. And hard work is not being busy the whole day. Hard work is not being busy the whole day. When I say somebody is diligent, it means he achieves results with the little time he has. And that is very, very important. Because at the end of the day, what evaluates your success is the results. It's not how much sweat you sweat, but it's the achievement. Don't be eager about how busy you are. Be more concerned about how much results are you making on a consistent basis when you evaluate your life. Don't evaluate your life based on, oh, you know, you know these days people feel proud, people feel big when they, they say they are busy people. Child, that guy is a busy guy. It's difficult to get, it's difficult to see him. You know, it's difficult to see him. You know, he, almost every time he's not around, you can't find him. And, and people think that is being great. Listen to me. Greatness is about achievement. Amen. And I've gone around great people and, are, and I've seen very simple life. Simple life. And yet, great things are happening in their lives. One of the men I respect you know, most, when it comes to men of God in Ghana, does not have any special person holding his phone to receive calls and determine which one he picks or which one he doesn't pick. Does not have too much bureaucracy for you to see him because he's not that sophisticated. Simple. And yet great things are happening. Hallelujah. You can be simple and achieve a lot. And achieve a lot. Today, I want to leave this place thinking about what you want to achieve, not just what you want to be busy about doing. Sometimes I read people's profile. You can't, you can't even tell what the person is about. Because almost everything is there. Every title is there. <laughs> you alone, what, what are you really about? <laughs> because we think that the more um, functions you accord yourself, the greater you are. <laughs> but that's all ignorance so. Ignorance. Ignorance. We will learn next two weeks how to organize your life in such a way that your children don't have to book appointments to have access to you. Otherwise, one day you will regret it. You will regret that all that you have toiled for. You say you are toiling for them. They should understand. They will not understand anything. Because by the time you finish toiling to acquire all that you acquire, they will be so hurt how you treated them. They will deliberately mess it up. Hello? Your children have a right to you first before anything. How God must not wait so long before he sees you once a while. How issues that is very urgent about your health should be attended to now. Some of you, you have a feeling like you need to go to the hospital for checkup, but every week you postpone it. Oh, next week I'll go. Next week I'll go. Next week I'll go. Until the year ends. Next, then next year, you start, you start because you think that 
other things are more important than going for that checkup. Then one day, the doctor gives you a report, and then you start blaming God, and then you start harassing pastor for prayers. Hallelujah. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.